0: Hello, hello, hello. I am your Storme de Larvarie, a hostess with the most. This Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Your Mouth. Oh, wow. In Your Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always show. in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show oh, you how to. Oh, look. God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Your Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the Most, moon yos, and welcome to episode two of the In Your Mouth Pride series. Yes, folks, it is Pride Month, and for a few episodes, at least, I wanted to highlight some fabulous past guests and their their thoughts on representation, their thoughts on coming out, their stories because you know what going back just going back into the archives if you will because you know we are over 4 years in the making now the royal we that is and just going back into the archives it's really beautiful and nice to be Reminded of people's stories, of what they share, of the insight of my guests have given us—you know, the the struggle, the strife, the beauty—and all through food, and all through food, for the most part that is—and so. <laughs> I had such a great time doing this last year that I thought I would do it again. And today is episode two. For those of you out there who don't know who Stormé de Laverie is, uh, speaking of this day in gay history, even though we're not there yet, Stormé de Laverie was an American woman known as the butch lesbian whose scuffle with police was, according to Stormé and many eyewitnesses, was the spark that ignited the Stonewall uprising spread the crowd into action. Know your history, peoples. How y'all doing out there? How are y'all doing? I am up. I am ready. I am living. Queen's Pride had just passed this weekend. Queen's Pride is one of my favorite events of Pride season. It is so much fun. And one, one of the main reasons is because, you know, in in Manhattan proper, there isn't really like a latino gay bar like dedicated to like latino people or like a black and latino gay bar or you know like a pa- a place for for people of color gay people of color lgbtq people of color to kind of gather and you know and where they play like uh salsa and reggaeton and all all uh, all the good music you know <laughs> And as much as I love the Flaming Saddles and their country music, it ain't it. It ain't it. And so it's just really beautiful to be with the people and, you know, watch the performances of the ball, the ballroom houses that performed and, and just be with the people. Oh, my God. But oof. It was a drunken day, y'all. I have not had a day like that in a minute, not even in Mexico. And I blame it all on the nutcrackers. Have y'all ever all have y'all ever had a nutcracker out there? And I'm not talking like do 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 No. Um or that some people call it Jesus juice or quarter waters. Um, nutcrackers. Uh, infamously are just sold in the street in the summer or sold uh in on the beach in the summer here in new York and they 're basically um, you know alcohol in like some sugar juice or something you don 't even know what they're what they are these guys sell them and they 're very strong and very sugary and very delicious, and will ruin your life as I have experienced. The next day. Oh, it was a struggle. (laughs) But we're here, we're queer, we're alive again, and we are hydrated, and we had the best time at Queen's Pride. You know, drink, but drink responsibly out there. And I want to get to the getting on today. And in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Jelly-Filled Donut Day. Yes. Even though National Donut Day just passed, so I don't know why we need another Donut Day for Jelly-Filled Donuts. Were, we're Jelly-Filled Donuts uh, not feeling included on National Donut Day? Wasn't like Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme just handing out donuts, you know? I like. Uh, Do we like jelly-filled donuts? I guess I like a jelly-filled donut. I love a Boston cream. Yes, mm, mm, mm. yes. Give me some Boston cream pie, honey, in a donut. You know, before Dunkin' Donuts took out the trans fats, those Boston cream donuts uh, were the best. Uh, give me all the trans fats. Give me all because we're here. No, I'm not even going. <laughs> I'm going to stop myself while I'm ahead. Um, and <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Anywho, anywho, um, no matter what you celebrate out there, I guess, but we're not eating carbs this month, y'all, because it is pride and we need to be ready for the last Sunday in June here in New York. We need to, uh, you know, do what we do, go for a run, get on the treadmill, go get that lipo laser, or you know what? Love yourself. Just love yourself in the beautiful body that you are. Oh my God, speaking of uh, gay body dysmorphia, um, when I was in... Mexico, right? I'm I'm feeling good. I've been running. I'm feeling great about myself and where I'm at. And there was this great bathing suit. It kind of looked like a bikini with tie uh, tie tie sides, you know, like uh more often uh sold to female presenting people and uh, but it was in this shop, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. And I saw all these, like, muscle boys with it on, too, and they look great. And I tried it on, and then, like, the gay body dysmorphia kicked in, and I couldn't buy it. And now I regret not buying it. Ugh. I even went online to look for it, and I couldn't find it. So if any of you know where to find this bathing suit and know what I'm talking about, um, they sell them all over in, like, the, the 50... Uh, swimsuit shops and PV. I need one. Send me a link, somebody. And speaking of links and, and things to buy, uh, the merch is selling. Thank you to the, those of you out there who have bought the merch, the Pride merch, any of the merch. As you know, if you buy anything from now through July, I am donating the proceeds to the Ali Forney Center, which helps LGBTQ youth here in New York City. yes trying to give back to the community that i love so much and the pride merch is cute y'all don't forget to send me photos and moving right along into this day in gay history you know what Uh, this one's a doozy y'all did you know that in 1901 get this 1901 in Spain. The first documented same sex marriage in Spain in post Roman times is performed. Marcela Gracia Ibeas and Elisa Sanchez Logria, both teachers, are married by a parish priest in A Coruña, Galicia, with Elisa using the male identity Mario Sanchez. The couple was exposed by Galician and Madrid newspapers, and as a consequence of this, both quickly lost their jobs were excommunicated and were issued an arrest warrant so that the excommunication could take place the parish priest requested a doctor examine Mario to check if he were a man or a woman that's messed up that used to happen in the gay bars um, like up until the Stonewall uprising as well right if you were in female presenting clothes the police would take you into the bathroom and check your parts to see Um, if you were male or female. Messed up. But, uh... Look at this. Mario agreed, and when the uh, doctor issued his verdict, Mario attempted to pass for intersex, whose condition had been diagnosed in London. Regardless, the the marriage certificate was never officially voided. The marriage, according to the archive, is still valid. They moved to Portugal, where they were in prison, tried, and later released. It is rumored that they fled to Argentina after the Spanish government demanded their extradition from Portugal. It is unknown what happened to them after that same-sex marriage was legalized in spain in 2005 crazy crazy little factoid today crazy 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 and um beautiful at the same time and you know what i hope that they lived out a beautiful life together you know what for a long long time after that wow Wow, guys. And I guess that's a great segue into into today's part two of my Pride series because I've noticed that there's, you know, I love to highlight all the LGBTQ food people of all colors, of all stripes, of everywhere. But I've noticed that this past year especially, we've had a lot of like just... You know, international stories or diasporan stories, you know, stories of the diaspora, people who've moved here and carry their culture, you know, Maria Maison or, or Chef John Kung, you know, uh, promoting third culture cuisine or, mm-hmm. or, uh, Marcela from why is uh, why are all these names escaping me today or Claire Rouget and Rosemary Kimani you know who who are just traveling the world and and being you know just food Food gurus and, you know, shining a spotlight on lesbian couples. And I just kind of wanted to gather those people all together in one spot and share their thoughts and ideas and their coming out stories. So without further ado, I thought it would be actually really great to start with the beautiful, beautiful couple and their coming out stories, Claire Rouget and Rosemary Kamani. This episode, please go back and listen to this episode because they are so beautiful and they shine so brightly, and I love them so much. And their just story and how they are together really, really comes through. And I wanted to start with coming out today. So take a listen to Claire Rouget and Rosemary Kimani of Authentic Food Quest.
2: And, and uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's for me, it's really been a, a journey. Uh, I came out late, and it's, uh, first is really coming out to oneself. And um, I grew up really around, um, you know, around guys. I I knew right away I didn't want to add a, um, a, a conform to society, you know, being the good girl who plays with the girls. No, I was playing with, with boys uh, because I was surrounded by my brother's friends. They were older and there was no girls of my age. So... Uh, I did most of what boys do when they're young, and I loved it. And uh, as I grew up, I also went into a field. I was an engineer, and uh, I actually graduated uh, uh, doing mechanical engineering. Again, a field where it was mostly male around me. and um, was fun. i I love being with guys, but I never really fell in love. I, I was like attracted, dated guys. But it was just a fun thing to do. You have to do, um, you know, when you young adults. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't um, fall for, oh, I need to have kids. Like, this is never part of my interest. So it's only later on when he was out of, uh, of the university how out of being in the, the dorms with old friends and then feeling lonely at home, starting to question, what do I really want? Uh, it's, it's, um, you know, starting to be, to be heavy, to be lonely, and uh, what kind of relationship do I want? And that's how I started to second guess uh, the idea to be with guys because I, I didn't have so much attraction to guys. Um, at the time, I was in France and in you know in Paris, things were very open. Where I was a little less, so it was hard to find resources to be exposed to that. And uh, shortly after, I moved to the US, and because I was in Chicago, it's a large large city. Then I reached out to LGBT community, found the resources, met with the lesbian group, and that's where I felt. You know, that's where. I came to myself, and I knew um, this is the right thing for
0: me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, similarly, when I came out um, fully in university uh, myself or in college, the when I got back to New York, I had no friends, right? Because anybody in high school and people had moved away, and we had moved into a new home and whatnot. And I went to the LGBTQ center here in... Manhattan, not only to find um, a doctor that specialized in LGBTQ health, but also there were groups that I was part of where I made friends that I still have friends to from this day. So um, it's a good point that you make as well that you need to support or we need to support our local LGBTQ centers because even if we're not using them, the resources they provide for the community, for our young people, especially right, and our seniors, um, is phenomenal and tremendous. And shout out to the LGBTQ, LGBTQ centers all over the world doing the work for the people now. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> yeah, I, I can jump in here. And I, and I have to.
1: I, I do. I will jump in. But I have to really say something about the support as well, too and uh, having also other people and other role models. So I grew up in Kenya and in Nairobi, as I mentioned earlier, and it was not, it's not a very open society. And I certainly grew up in a very closed home. Um, so there was no deviation. I mean, so I had boyfriends, but there was nothing there. Um, and so when I finally got a chance to go to school in the U.S., I remember my first semester one of my one of the friends that I met and we're still good friends today um he was gay and when I met him and we were sitting in class and we're talking and I got to know him he's just such a regular guy he took me to his home I had dinner with his family loving family and that's when I started to really think about me and and what I want and who I who who really I, I am and then when I saw the how he was how he is you know he's one of my best friends today how he's well adjusted his family loved him I realized that I can do that for myself I can create the life that I want so in my case I had to in a way cut ties um and I think it was mutual on both ends um I ended up telling my parents, um, so I, after I finished undergrad, then I went to graduate school, and then it was only after, when I started my first job, that I found a community, much like Claire mentioned, this was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and very much, I didn't know anyone, it was my first job, new city, and I needed support, and I decided at that time, I'm going to face this being gay thing, am I gay, am I not, my parents, I, I, you know, I knew that there, it was not going to work, but I, need, I needed that support. So through that center I found support. Um, I ended up meeting my first girlfriend at the time and it was you know so because of that I told my parents officially and it it did not go down well. Um, My mother uh, was a member of the church. I don't know that she still is Um, and so she would send me recordings of singing and the choir singing because America has, I don't know, condemned me or changed me. and
0: Yeah, we used know, to so. have, my mother and I, we used to have prayer sessions and my mother loves me very much. I love her too. We have a great relationship, but we used to have prayer sessions in the car when she would drive me to college that I would find a girlfriend.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So
0: yeah. I, yep. I can relate. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So as a result of my case, um, I chose me. And I chose my happiness, and I am not. I so we don't have a relationship with my parents. Um, I don't want their life. I don't want their life for me. I want my life. Um, so that so that's what I've chosen. So
0: choosing yeah. choosing you, I love. It. Yeah. yeah, you're like literally giving me all the things today. <laughs> I literally chose me, and sometimes you need to, and sometimes that's the most important lesson to learn, I, and I think you both would agree, um, as people of a certain age here, that, you know, choosing, like, choosing you may be the most important decision you make in your um, lifetime. Yeah. Right? Yes,
1: yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I remember my mom's sister um, is in the U.S. She's based in the U.S. as well. And she asked me one question that fundamentally changed my life. She said, are you preparing yourself for life in the U.S. or life in Kenya? And when I answered the question, life in the U.S., um, that was also tied to that whole idea of then you live with the choice you have made um, because you know you're not going to go back because you're not going to go back and conform to life in Kenya. So that, again, was also uh, very helpful. But it, it came to making that one decision.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe an act of faith and courage in in oneself. Their whole episode is strewn with gems like that. Acts of faith and courage, choosing oneself. I mean, it's a good one. It's a good one. And boy, have we come a long way in the editing process. Let me tell you that. Listen, I have a degree in music, not in sound. Engineering, but honey, she's learned. She's learned a lot. Next up on the roster for today, speaking of acts of faith and courage and choosing oneself and and just knowing oneself really to the core is one of my favorite people ever that I have come across. Um, You know, all my all my kids, all my guests, right, are my favorite. But Maria Maison, that's my hermana. That's like she. I don't know. She touched me through the computer, through the phone, in very, very special ways. And her story, her journey, her the way she speaks speaks about her journey and and who she is and how grounded she is, is not only beautiful to see, but it is an inspiration. And this is what she had to say about the start of her journey and not realizing the impact she would have once she has a platform. Take a listen to this. What I really, really love, right? and we don't often see it, especially on a national platform, are not only, you know, people of color or uh, like black and latino uh color represented in like really really fabulous lights in the food world but also queer people of color right and so you as a lesbian woman just shining so bright and doing so well and winning restaurant wars but then coming together with your latino community on the show what was that like
3: you know what? Uh, uh, it was funny that you touched the subject. I was talking to my sister yesterday. Y me dice, hermana, sister, you actually click like you feel a lot of boxes. You have no idea what it is to be you now. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just me. I like to cook. And yeah, I happen to be gay and, and Mexican and Catholic, whatever. It's like, mijita, you you are like living through a lot of people. And, and you need to... to to soak it all in. And then she made me think, um, yeah, I never expected this blessing. That is, yeah, of course, Top Chef, that gave me a voice. But after Top Chef, how many people, how many uh, Mexican people is like, thank you for representing our culture. You know, you're amazing. And yeah, you're gay, cool. You know, the and, and it's funny because even lesbians have a stereotype there's a stereotype for everything and then they see this little you know loud chubby Mexican lady with a wife and a son like you know let's go to soccer let's go to this like normalized it and I'm like wow you don't I I personally wasn't aware of the 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 phenomenon that that all of this is is happening around me and I'm just blessed I just want to justice to our culture justice to our 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 life our gender our our lily and i live with pride a hundred percent we are proud moms we are proud wives we are proud chefs firefighters and we live our lives the way we want to be treated
0: My favorite thing about that clip specifically is she says, we live our lives in the way we wanted to be treated, right? And that's what we as LGBTQ people obviously are mostly doing, I would hope, right? And yet somehow our rights and our freedoms and our existence, you know, in general is just being challenged on the daily still, Still on the daily. And especially in, in hyper masculine spaces like the kitchen, like male dominated spaces like the kitchen. And and giving a new voice and giving a new face to what it means to be, you know, a, a, an artist, a food artist, somebody leading the charge in this specific field is what I've always been trying to do now. And I think it's just really, really beautiful, right? And the meaning of pride for me, right? She's being prideful in just her family and who she is. Take a listen to this next clip of her talking about her exit from Top Chef and what it meant to her.
3: I wanted to pack my knives with grace. And that's what um, Top Chef taught me, that I am a great chef. And my journey is not even like my journey be gone when I pack my knives. Because now I'm talking to you. Now I have, you know, uh, a... a beautiful message to throw out there. You know, it's okay to be gay. It's a beautiful thing. It's okay to be Mexican. Um, you know, you're not going to, the, the Catholic guilt, the shame, no. You're not going to go to hell. It's one of those things that it's okay to be yourself. And and I did it in a way that what you see is what you get. You know, I have no filter. My mouth has had me in many, many troubles in the past, in the future, Because I'm not, the world is collapsing in front of us. Look at 2020. I mean, people dying out of the flu. And now you need to tell it. You need to put it out there. You need to tell it to the universe. This is who I am. And, I mean, always with respect, because there's people that don't agree, and that's okay. You know, en su su salud lo hallarán,
0: senor. Tell it to the world, yes, right? Wise words from a wise woman. But that's what Harvey Milk used to preach as well. You know, come out, out of the closets and into the streets because, you know, if they knew who you were and they knew who you are and what you stand for, then it it becomes the norm. It becomes it becomes more relatable, you know? It becomes brothers, sisters, neighbors, as opposed to this unknown thing that certain people don't understand. And um, I just love, I love that. I hate that we still have to keep talking about this, but then again, I wouldn't have a passion project if we didn't, right? (laughs) I go on to ask Maria about coming out, and once again, she, she lays it down in... A Most Beautiful Way About Being Gay and Mexican. Take a listen.
3: You don't see a lot of Mexican uh, gay people out there because in Latino culture, it's very hard to come out. And and it's very hard to come out. Um, and to me, it's funny because I thought, and not in a million years that I was going to come out. I always thought that I was going to live in the closet because... That's what I was told. That's what I was, I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to, you know. And then when I met Lily, I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Hold my <laughs> beard. I'm going to go come out. And, uh, yeah, I was married to a guy before, which I, I adore my ex-husband, and he's the father of my child. Um, but our 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 journey, I believe that everything happens for a reason. So that was my journey with him we created a beautiful human being that's our son and now i have lily and renee has two beautiful mothers and a kick-ass father and he's a family he has three parents
0: that's that's incredible but let's continue down that road because we always eventually get there and it's important to hear because you know um you just said it it's about message and it's about it's about getting it out there and it's about respect and you know, and our stories matter, right? Because we never know who's listening. So, what was coming out like for you?
3: It was hard. I mean, not going to lie to you. But being obviously being married to to a guy, um, coming from a very small city that is Navajo, Sonora, um, very Catholic, very social. You know, el diran driven, and um, I had to do it. I had to do it from. be true to myself and be happy. So I did it. It was a rocky road. And I believe that it's always going to not I don't want to say rocky, but it's just it's gonna be different in a good way. It's gonna take time. Um with my I love my dad. My dad is super religious. My dad loves Lily and my mom is gonna, you know, take time. But the most beautiful relationship I got of coming out is the closeness with my siblings. Um, the, the the trio of uh, the, the two girls and a boy that makes my brother and my sister us together, it's beautiful. So we never been this close. Um, we had our ups and downs like any other family. But now it's, I mean, my God, my sister is one of my biggest fans. And... and we already patch our, you know, our problems and we just go ahead. And my Do you niece, think,
0: yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's because there was a switch flipped? There was like a more genuine, honest you being presented forward that I'm, kind of, that I, kind I, of attached this and, and made you closer?
3: Probably, but I'm never going to forget um, those words that my sister said a couple of years ago probably five, six years ago I've been out in about four eleven. Um, she said to me, You look happy. And I'm like, Huh? Yeah, you, you your your skin, your your demeanor, everything about you, your aura, looks happy. And I'm like, Yeah, I said, because I have nothing to hide. Like it's because I go to bed with the person I'm supposed to be. Um, with, I am raising a son with teaching him about every single path of life because I'm teaching a son that it's okay to be gay and it's okay to be gay successful Mexican whatever, to gay it's okay to be straight with two gay moms. It's okay. It's okay to be uh, you know the the now the the new generation. I get lost with the LGBTQ. I get lost because I barely speak English. But I am teaching my son that it's okay. As long as you don't kill, you don't steal, it's okay. At the end of the day, whatever your path is, it's going to be okay. So I told my sister, without getting all emotional, I told my sister, that's why you see me happy.
0: Again, again, such such amazing words from Maria Maison. And honestly, you know, um, keeping that secret and not living in your truth, right? Once, once, once you expel that and once you stand in your truth and you're standing, you know, on grounded, on solid ground, you know, it's, it's okay. You will be okay. It's, it's how the It Gets Better Project started from that idea of, like, you may be struggling now, but it will get better, right? You're okay. And yeah, I just love her so much. Go back and listen to her episode and show her all the love. I want to take a quick break because I need a glass of water, but I will be back with Marcella from and Chef John Kung. Yes. <laughs>
4: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC.
0: Marcel Fromm is a beautiful trans non-binary chef in the D.C. area who has made their mark uh, with their Shababi chicken and with their advocacy and all sorts of things, and it, they just happen to be my first trans chef on the podcast. Listen, I dive uh, deep into people's Instagrams, TikToks, wherever I find, wherever I can find people um who really speak to me. And I just noticed at this time that there weren't a lot, lot of trans people. I wasn't seeing a lot of trans visibility in the kitchen, and I go on to question. Uh, Marcel about this specifically. And this is what they had to say. PS.com we tried to pack a whole lot into Marcel's um, episode. It's hysterical and really a humdinger of an episode. You need to go back and listen. But listen to what Marcel has to say about trans people in the kitchen. But why do you think that is that like I I the I haven't found more of the trans community in a food space? Well, because... Large sigh. Large sigh.
4: I I mean, it's not complicated, right? Like, there is, there has been something really, really wrong with the industry for a really long time that includes inclusivity and also safe spaces. And we are the most vulnerable, you know, and there is a lot to fear. And I think that <clears throat> what I realized um I I actually kind of realized <clears throat> I I'm 36 years old I didn't come out until last year when I was 35 I didn't even really start realizing that I was a trans man and realized that there was a space for that in general even outside of the food world and until I was like 34 years old um just because there was such a maybe my narrow visibility on it. And I kind of had blinders and that may have been intentional, but that's like a whole nother thing. But um, Chef Pax in Puerto Rico actually was someone that I connected with online and they're uh, transmasculine. And I started, I got to know them and I actually went to Puerto Rico and we met and we had a great time. This was before I came out and the way that they spoke about themselves and the and being trans um on their social media was really eye-opening to me and that visibility was so impactful um and I realized that not only is there a space to be a trans man but also non-binary and that was like just blew my mind right and as I kind of started to search for my people in the spaces of everywhere, right? Because, like, rabbit hole, like, okay, where are we? Like, I need this visibility. I need to understand myself better. I need the connections. You're right. I was like, this is the only other person that I've been able to see that I can relate to. Wild. And I also, uh, so I came out on social media August of last year. And the response was so overwhelming. And I mean, like, people, like, my my bubble was super supportive, and I'm, I'm really grateful and very privileged for that. Um, I also, like, am in a stable place, right? And I think that maybe a, a lot of my adulthood wasn't stable, so that made it a little difficult to come out or to understand myself, find myself, whatever. <clears throat> Nonetheless, a lot of the people that reached out to me are trans people that are not out or scared because they are in the restaurant industry. And, you know, we've seen this major shift of like all of these terrible douchebags getting what they deserve. Yeah. And uh, we, can the say, we can or, say it.
0: This is our space. Yeah. This is yeah, our for, space.
4: Yeah. For all of the right reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. And, we're, we're seeing people getting called out for all of the right reasons. We're seeing this major shift, I think, with, you know, kind of like my generation of people in the kitchen, like our generation of people in the kitchen, right, wanting to make massive changes for those that are in their kitchens. But they're like the system kind of needs to be cracked from the top, right, because it's a broken system. And I think we're, we're constantly trying to fix it rather than just reinvent it and there's definitely space to reinvent it and I think the first reinvention needs to be this is a safe space you can have this career without worrying for yourself your safety and your livelihood right because it's also really hard and just like you said there's such a large amount of trans homeless youth and then once they turn 18 they're not youth anymore but there's a very likely chance that they're still homeless, right? And so this whole vulnerability of being transgender, being in in a position without stability, right, and then going into something like the restaurant industry where there is this kind of terrifying machismo vibe to it kind of estranges us from... What could be this really beautiful sector of passion and food and a career, right? And I think that I, at least here in DC, and I know that in a lot of our major cities, we are seeing a major shift of... Um, a lot of us speaking out and trying to break the system from the top.
0: You know, when I think about putting these episodes together for you all out there, I always have this idea. Like, today's idea was, I'm going to take all these people who are of a diaspora culture, all these, like, beautifully culturally rich people who've been on the pod and, like, you know, include their stories. But you know what? In hindsight, as I'm looking at this, there is still struggle and strife, right? But it's about coming through... And it's about like standing your ground and being really grounded in who you are and choosing you and showing up as you. And but yet still continuing the fight, right? Because in every story we've heard, right, there's still a little struggle happening, there's still, there's still a little coming through that needs to happen. And and you know, just like, oh, it's so good. I love when that happens. Well, at least I think it's good. Let me toot my own horn. Boop, boop. <laughs> I love Marcel Afram so much. And I also love the journey that I was on asking about queer food and what it meant. And this is what Marcel had to say. What makes food inherently, like, gay? Any Any thoughts or opinions on it? I think that there is,
4: like, okay, so there's, like, this flair and this, like, finesse and this, like, almost, like, song and dance relationship, right? Like, that connects the food with us as queer people, you know? Like, there's this, like, there's this, like, representation of, like, who we are, of this, like, passion and energy, right? Because, like, overall, there's this passion... For, like, capturing life, the essence of, like, everything this like, you know, the joy of what it is to be queer people, right? And, like, when you're wearing that on your sleeve and you're creating food with that, like, there, you can't really find that coming out in other spaces in the same way, right? Like, there's just this real love affair,
0: well, you know what? I'm going to use your own words against you, Marcel, here. Because um, I just quoted from your bio, you know, food has proven a, worther, a worthy carrier of change. You hath said it to me. And, um, and as someone who's gone through a lot of change, right, from just growing up, period, right, your your story is is one of change, yeah. Um how does that apply to the food? Right? Because there I th- I think within there is is the answer.
4: It's all about for me in that essence. It's all about like redeeming what's mine.
0: Redeeming what's mine and once again Marcela From brings us full circle of all the clips we've had today. You know, choosing you. Acts of faith and courage, you know, being prideful in oneself, redeeming what's mine. Y'all, no matter what happens in the future with this podcast, whether it makes me a lot of money or no money at all, which it's making me no money at all, I will forever be indebted and so grateful to all my beautiful guests for like just imparting all this wisdom, whether they know it or not. Wow. Wow, guys. Oh my God. Listen. Before we close out, I wanted to bring in the one and only and the very beautiful John Kung, Jonathan Kung, Chef John Kung, um, and continue down the road of queer food and how it relates to his deeply rooted cultural cooking, which he calls third culture cuisine. And, oh, my God, the man is beautiful. The cooking is everything. And just take a listen to what his thoughts are. On queer food. Another journey I have been on on this podcast to completely pivot and kind of started by the one and only and quite incredible Michael Twitty is talking about and defining what queer food is. And I love to ask all my guests, like, how do we define queer food, if at all? Or is that a thing?
5: I mean, you know, classically as a gay man, queer food to me would be like a vodka soda with a lime. (laughs) But I don't I don't know um personally if anything that I could I, I've been so focused on like expressing myself through my cultural heritage um that I never really considered my queerness to be a part of any of the food that I was actually serving. I would attribute a lot of credit creatively to queerness and my ability to just be, um, I guess, like just unafraid to express all of my passions through the medium of food. I guess uh, it, its it's been really inspirational to see a lot of the people, a lot of like the people that I look up to when it comes to what creativity and what self-expression is have been people in like the drag scene, the nightclub scene here and in in music. Uh, just watching the people do what they love and express everything that they are about them so freely and so fully have been points of inspiration to me to express everything from like my love anime to my love of culture to my love of like my city through my food and I think through that process I think queerness has been uh, has been kind of like important to how I go about doing that but otherwise like you know is like what is gay food I don't know brunch
0: yeah yeah (laughs) listen we've had we've had all sorts of answers on this podcast and I mean I started my journey because I didn't see myself represented you know mm-hmm. and so yes you are you are really deep rooted in cooking culturally but you know part of part of who you are right yes is your culture but is is being you know a, a person of the lgbtq community and and seeing that representation right for for other young asian lgbtq people or people questioning I think is really, really important, and and I think it's it's what makes you special, and and what makes a lot, you know, all of my guests, for the most part, special, right? But those, especially those of color, because there we still aren't represented in in mainstream food media, in that right, way, right, and so, like- and so to to put that forth, right, within your cooking, however that is, I think there within lies the answer.
5: Yeah, uh, having the courage to say everything that I want to say in the way that I want to say it, I would absolutely attribute to my queerness. And that takes full credit for it. The ability to express myself in a way that isn't like inhibited by things like, you know, toxic masculinity or fear in general or societal fear in general. Like, you know, I already had to deal with all of that through living as a queer person and so why would i allow anything that i had overcome before in life hinder me creatively in my creative in my work process so yeah all credit goes to that for sure to being able to express myself in the way that i want
0: oh, absolutely absolutely i just love this question and sometimes um you know there are certain people who just don't uh don't know what to do with it, and that's also my favorite thing. Just kind of watching, like, because it's a weird question, and uh, you know, it get, it really gets the gears turning. And I've had, I've even had people come back at me being like, "I hate you" because I've this is all I've been thinking about for the past three days, you know. <laughs> and we and we have Michael Twitty to thank for that one. Call me a broken record if you want, but this whole episode's just about standing in your truth, and I didn't even plan it that way. <laughs> I love that John Kung so much. Go follow him on Instagram at Chef John Kung. Um, Chef Maria Maison at Chef Mariajo. Um, Authentic Food Quest is Rosemary's and Claire's Instagram. And today I'm going to leave you with Chef John Kung's coming out story because he has a really cute anecdote in there. Take a listen you know, here on In Your Mouth I would be amiss if we didn't talk about coming out because each each and every one of our coming out stories are are and is important, is and are important um, you know, because we never know who we can affect out there and I'm curious to know if you would share your coming out story with us Mine?
5: Well, let's what uh, When is National Coming Out Day?
0: Uh, National Coming Out Day it was October 11th. I had no idea. Um. Well, I Monday. think.
5: See, I, unfortunately, mine was pretty boring in the sense that, like, I didn't really have to say anything to anyone. Yeah. Like in the case of my parents, um, like, I kind of like, just came out to my mom by showing her a picture of the guy I was dating at the time, and that was like it well i guess i guess there is a little story behind that okay so i was showing her the i showed her the picture of this guy and she was like well you know what as long as you're being safe i don't care what like i'm just glad that you're happy and then she looks at me and she's like you are being safe right and i was like well um because the guy was like before we were doing anything physical he wanted us to like wait for some reason and so like we had been dating for like Two or three months that we hadn't had sex yet. <laughs> and yeah, I think
0: that, that's the Patty Stanger rule, millionaire he, matchmaker. Right. <laughs> and, and I
5: told my mom, I told her that like, well, we haven't really done anything yet. And she was like, Well, how long have you been dating? And I was like, oh, three months. <laughs> she just looks at the photo and she's like, it seems a little long to wait. <laughs> I was like, Okay. My mom called me oh my- a three. <laughs>
0: Yep. Yes, she did. <laughs> Listen, when moms are good, when when moms of uh, queer kids are good, they are good. Shout out to all the moms doing the work out there and taking care of us. And for those dads that have shown up too, we celebrate you. And that is hyster- that's hysterical. that's yeah. It's hysterical. And I thank you for sharing with us because you know what? Coming out stories are unqualifiable. Mm-hmm. And... And so each and every one of our experiences is different and is part of our journey and who we become today. And like I said, we never know who we can affect or who is listening. Yes, isn't that story so cute about his mom? And sure as hell shout out to all the moms that show up and take care of us even if they're not our birth moms shout out to all the dads that got a stand in place if you're showing up for your lgbtq kids we honor you on this second week of pride folks and like i said our stories matter today was great a great day of stories right our stories matter and so If any of these stories have affected you today, please reach out to me and let me know. Or reach out to them and let them know, too, that you're listening. That you're listening and that you've inspired them. And if you want to send me your story, please do. Please do. I'll figure out a way to share it for sure. I love all sorts of coming out stories tell me your story and i will figure out a way to share it or if you don't want me to share it i'll keep it to myself too i i am a gatekeeper no <laughs> Other than that, go support these beautiful people that um, I highlighted on the podcast today. Get your Pride merch. You still have some time to get it in before Pride, at least New York City Pride. And if your Pride is later on, then get it. You still have all the time in the world. You can go to com forward slash mouth merch. And as I said, all proceeds are going to go to the Alley Fournay Center, which I'm really excited to do so I can give back. And other than that, stay safe out there in these streets. Drink responsibly, folks. Take a lesson from me. Drink responsibly. Have a lot of water. Don't buy street liquor. Or buy it, but don't buy six of them. (laughs) And other than that, Thank you for listening to In <laughs> Yo, Yo Mouth. Oh, That's right. oh.
5: oh, oh. In your I Got mouth. the
0: goosebumps.